Hi, this is Jim Lyon. You're listening to Viewpoint with me, Jennifer Wilson. Hello, Jim. JJ, so good to Thank see you. Thank you. You as well. You know, Corey Ten Boom, there are a lot of people who don't know that sure. name. You know that name. I know that name. Because she wrote a famous book called... The Hiding Place. Corey Ten Boom, a Dutch woman born in the late 1890s who survived the horrors of World War II and the Nazi concentration camp and lived to tell. And her story inspired millions while she lived. She's passed away many years ago, but her story still inspires. And this week on Viewpoint, we want to continue our series, Embracing the Truth That She Lived. JJ, how did you hear the name Corey Ten Boom for the first time? How were you introduced to The Hiding Place, the book that made her famous? Well, I actually came across the film, The Hiding Place, and saw the, the reenactment, if you will, of her life, the life of her sister, them growing up, and then all of the connections that they made prior to being taken to the concentration camp. Powerful, powerful story and film. It was a phenomenally well-crafted film, it seemed to me. Mm-hmm. It starred Julie Harris, who was one of the great actresses of the 20th century, and Jeanette Clift. And these actresses portrayed two sisters, Corey Ten Boom and her sister Betsy, Dutch women who were apprehended by the Nazis in the Netherlands during the war, during the Nazi occupation of Holland, because they, together with their father and extended family, were hiding Jews. And not just Jews, but also resistance fighters and people in the Dutch resistance to Nazi rule. They would hide them in a little place they built in their ancient house in Holland, and they called it the hiding place. And the numbers of people whose lives were saved by their courage and bravery is astonishing. Caspar Ten Boom, their father, a widower with whom the two young adult women sisters lived, was a watchmaker. And he had a watch shop and a repair shop and so on in the front of the house. And then it was multi-storied, as you could imagine, in, in the old Netherlands. But somewhere in that place, there was this hiding place. But they were betrayed by someone once, and the Nazis discovered their scheme, came and arrested them all. Their father, Casper, died within 10 days of captivity. Betsy and Corey were carted off, ultimately to Ravensbrück, north of Berlin, about 56 miles, an unusual concentration camp in that it was just for women. But it was a horrifying place. Mm -hmm. What do you remember in the film, which captured the drama very well? Can you imagine an image of Corey and her sister Betsy in the concentration camp? Well, they're in line, and they are reduced to just uh, a bit of their underclothing, and they have to pass by this guard. And together, they are kind of huddled, and her sister's not doing great health-wise, and they have the scriptures that they want to get in with them and not have it taken from them. And somehow, at just the right moment, the, somebody coughs or somebody looks away, and they are passed on right by the, the guards, and they get through, and they get to take their tiny little Bible with them. The Ted Booms are people of deep faith, Mm -hmm. and that's really the story of the hiding place. People who dared to risk their lives that others might live, not because they were just innately good people, but because they were followers of Jesus, and they felt compelled by the call of Christ in their lives to risk everything that other innocents might live. And even as they're apprehended by the Nazis, even as you just described that horrifying scene where these women are, are stripped almost to nothing mm-hmm. and have to walk by the gaze of these guards who mock them. And yet, even in that moment, they are in a way protected. Yes. And, and they are able to get the scriptures, which for them is food and life, 
all the way into the camp. There are so many scenes in the film that are taken straight out of Corey's narrative that are true to life. That makes Corey's testimony about her faith, I think, so very credible. It's why people who don't care about Jesus, why people who have no time for the Bible, still are arrested by her story because there's something authentic about her life and her willingness to tell about her life that just reaches in even the hardest heart. The story of the hiding place is the story of courage. It's the story of survival. It's the story of unspeakable loss and tragedy. It's the story of history. It is the story of World War II, but more. It's the story of triumph. How does somebody triumph over all that? We've all heard Holocaust stories, and there's so many inspiring tales told by people who endured and suffered great loss. Corey's is grounded in her faith. Jennifer Wilson and I are talking about Corrie ten Boom, a remarkable woman who lived through World War II. She was Dutch. She was imprisoned by the Nazis because she and her family helped rescue Jewish innocents and also resistance fighters in the Dutch resistance. And she endured Ravensbrück, a, a terrifying camp where medical experiments were performed without consent on women who were imprisoned, where there were all kinds of beatings and torture and hard labor of Almost 150,000 women imprisoned at Ravensbrück. Only 15,000 would live to the end of the war. Mm. Corrie ten Boom was one of those. And one of the ways she lived and survived, by her own testimony, was her concept of prayer. After the war, Corrie found her life's calling in telling her story. Yes, she did. She became a witness for the power of faith and of Christ to help us endure and to redeem even from the darkest hour. And as she went about, she wrote books and and gave many, many talks. And there's a great fountain of quotes and a reservoir of things she said. JJ, I know that uh, you have in front of you something she said about prayer that really strikes me. She always, always emphasized to all who would hear that prayer matters, that prayer can really make a difference. For instance, in this case, what did she say? How important are our prayers in God's eyes? Do you know that not one of our prayers is lost? Your prayers for your son, your daughter, your mother, your father, your friend, or whoever you prayed for are so costly in God's eyes that they are stored in heaven. She goes on to quote a scripture. And in the scripture from the book of Revelation, there's a picture of prayers in heaven. You know, John the Apostle had a vision on the Lord's day. That's how he opens up the book of Revelation. And he said he saw heaven open. And in Revelation chapter 8, verse 3, he he writes this. This is what he saw. What does that say? And another angel came and stood at the altar, having a golden censer. And there was given to him much incense, that he should offer it with the prayers of all the saints upon the golden altar, which was before the throne. Corey, when she read that verse felt like she had not herself appreciated the power of her prayers. She even then shared a prayer in front of an audience that went like this, Lord, forgive me that I have underestimated my intercessions. I prayed to you in Jesus' name, and therefore they, my prayers, are so precious. Hallelujah, she said. It's an amazing image, Jim, of our prayers being added to the incense of heaven on the altar in front of the Lord and all of it going up together in this beautiful, aromatic scene. It's just, it's powerful. And I think 
Corey in her supreme humility reflected upon her own view of her own prayers as sometimes not elevated enough, that when you pray, you mustn't consider your prayer to be just some kind of peripheral gesture or some incidental heart cry that really doesn't matter or maybe is insignificant or I'm small, God is big, the world is complex, I'm simple. Therefore, what I might offer, the note, the message, the telegraph I'd send to heaven is really of no consequence. And she had a kind of conviction that, no, wait a minute, I'm not doing justice to God or to his promise the in, recipient in his scripture. Of the prayers. That's yes. right. My prayer has meaning and power because God has considered it worthy. I prayed in Jesus' name, Corey said, and therefore my prayer has substance. It's it has precious. power. My intercession is something that's a wow, and I need to repent of thinking that it's no big deal. Now, I think a lot of us might be able to get to a moment where we might say that, but given her life story, it's all the more astonishing to me. Because now I want to go back to that Corey who's in Ravensbrück, the concentration camp. Mm. She has lost her father. Her house has been lost. She's drug out of her house by the Nazis. She's thrown on a truck. Uh, she's transferred from here, put on the train. She gets to Ravensbrück, has to endure the indignities of checking in that all these uh, prisoners had to. Uh, there was hardly enough food, just subsistence level food. There's so much there that it's just loss. Everything in her life is gone. Her father dies, and she watches her sister die. Mm. And this is so unspeakable because Corey was not married, and she was taken from her house, her father's house, while she was still a single woman, and her sister was her closest companion, and now she's dead. It's heartbreaking. And she's dead for no cause, for no reason. She's dead because she worked herself to the bone. No, the Nazis whipped her to the bone. And as she's emaciated and diseased and worn out and just driven to the grave, Corey is left alone in this hell of a camp. And yet she still talks about, but my prayers matter. And my prayers still work. She doesn't give up praying. She begins to take her circumstance and calibrate them and figure out, well, Lord, you must somehow be able to turn this for the good. I know the devil is working against us. I know that the devil comes to steal, rob, and destroy. But I know you're greater still. Dear God, make something good come out of this. I intercede on behalf of these people who have taken my sister's life. Father, forgive them, for they do not know what they do. I intercede on my own behalf, Lord. Please give me some spark of life and energy, a reason for being. If I am to live, give me cause. I mean, on and on she goes. Until at the last, just before the war ends, she's released miraculously. After everyone else in her block is sent to die through a clerical error, she is released and walks free. And suddenly the Allies come and the camp is liberated, the war is over, and she on foot walks from the north of Berlin back to her home in Holland. For the rest of her life, she was a woman of prayer, believing that her intercessions worked. Now, there's another verse that was a favorite of, of Corey's that's found in the Philippian letter. This is the Apostle Paul, who was himself no stranger to suffering, to beating, to prison, unfairness. He's a man who suffered great injustices, and yet under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, he wrote to the church at Philippi, and we think to all of us these words. This is Philippians 4, verses 6 and 7. Don't worry about anything. Instead, pray about everything. Tell God what you need and thank him for all he has done. Then you will experience God's 
peace, which exceeds anything we can understand. His peace will guard your hearts and minds as you live in Christ Jesus. Be anxious for nothing, as the Nazi guards are calling you before dawn to line up one more time, and when you don't stand in your place, they just haul you away to be shot. Be anxious for nothing when there's nothing to eat, when you're out in the rock quarry, forced against your will to labor for the oppressive regime. Be anxious for nothing when you're hauled out of your house by uh, the men with the swastika armbands. Be anxious for nothing when you're even set free, but you don't have the strength to put one foot in front of another and you don't know what to expect when you get home. And yet, be anxious for nothing, but in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving. Now, in The Hiding Place is a great story. I know you you know this this incident yes. where Betsy and her sister Corey are thrown into this awful barracks with all these other prisoners. And many of the prisoners are very bitter, and they have a right to be. You know, they, they also have been hauled out from their houses, and they've lost loved ones, and they resent the fact they're there, or they're weak, and they've been oppressed and beaten and all that. And, to and add, they're sort of stacked on top of each other. And they're crowded yeah. in impossibly in this old wooden barracks, and it's chill because it's German winter and there's and no damp. heat. They don't have warm clothing. I mean, everything about it is misery. Mm-hmm. And to add all of that insult to injury, what do they discover? There's lice. Lice. <laughs> I mean, just because you know. I know. I start to itch. It just starts to itch. You want to scratch your head. Yeah. And now, once the lice are discovered, all the women in this barracks are just beside themselves like this is the last straw. Mm-hmm. We just, what's left? But what do the Ten Boom sisters say? They're praising God because. The lice keeps the guards away. Because there's lice there, the Nazi guards will not come inside. And so for the only moments of their whole tenure in this camp, they can have alone time. And they can talk. And they can study. They can think. They can pray. They can weep. They can laugh. They can take that Bible and pull it apart into separate pieces and pass it around and let people drink from the Word in everything with thanksgiving. And so Betsy Ten Boom offers a prayer of thanksgiving to the amazement of her cellmates. Thank you, Lord, for the lice, Mm. because they protect us. Corrie Ten Boom's story is one that helps us know that no matter how dark the night, no matter how desperate the moment, no matter how wicked the gale, there is life, there is hope, and there is prevailing power in Christ Jesus the Lord. And that's what Paul wrote also, that these prayers that you offer with thanksgiving will give you a sense of peace and life in Christ Jesus. Folks, we don't know where your life is right now. We're not sure what your circumstance might be, but I've had some moments in my life where it was hard to believe that my prayers mattered. But I promise you, take it from me, and if you don't take it from me, take it from Corey Ten Boom. Mm -hmm. Your prayers matter. And don't underestimate your intercessions because they are the sweet fragrance of heaven. And no prayer is wasted, no prayer is lost, and no prayer ever escapes the notice of God. No, I love this metaphor, Jim, of of prayer being somewhat of a deposit in an account where we take a prayer and it's sent to God and it's it's like it's it's cashed in and deposited. It may not be withdrawn yet, but it's accruing interest and at just the right time in just the right way, God hears, responds and helps. There were moments in Corey's life where she wondered, "Where is my prayer, Lord?" Mm-hmm. But before her days were done here in this world, she looked back over her life and she knew that God had heard 
and grasped and honored every prayer offered. And we want to give you that same hope. Wherever you are today, whatever your challenge, whatever the mountain is to climb, we want you to know God knows you, he knows where you are, and he wants to hear from you. And if, like Corey Ten Boom, you're willing to place your life in his hands, your prayers will have power. Pray with us today. Our Father, we're so thankful for the story of Corrie ten Boom. We're so thankful, Lord, for the triumph that she experienced, not because of herself, but in spite of herself, because of your great love and grace with which she was willing to be clothed. We thank you, Lord, for all like her who have gone on before us, who have learned that prayer does matter. We thank you, Lord, that our prayers are sacred to you. And we pray in Jesus' name, Lord, not because we deserve to be heard, and not because you are some kind of just Santa Claus that is waiting for us to make a wish list, but because you sent your Son, Jesus Christ, into this world to die on a cross that we might live and that a way might be made between heaven and earth, and that that Jesus didn't just die, he rose from the grave. And in that power over the grave, there is the power of our prayers. That's why, Lord, as we pray this prayer, in Jesus' name we ask that for all who hear and join us in this prayer, you will give them encouragement this day, and that before one week passes, you will give them encouragement to know that their prayers are being heard. And whatever might be on our hearts, whatever is being lifted to you now, receive it, Lord, and may we know that those prayers are being heard and will be answered. May we never underestimate the power of these intercessions offered in Jesus' name. Amen. If you'd like to know more about how you can understand the power of Christ in your life here and now, give us a call. Just dial this number, 1-800-757-VIEW. That's 1-800-757-8439. 24 hours a day and seven days a week. We're by the phone. We really do want to hear from you. Or you can find us on the internet at cbhviewpoint.org. You can read there about the Viewpoint Ministry. You can send us an email and we will reply. That's CBH, Christians Broadcasting Hope. cbhviewpoint.org. At the last, if you prefer, just write me a letter. Address it to Jim Lyon, Viewpoint, Post Office Box 2420, Anderson, Indiana 46018, USA. But whether you call us on the phone, check us out online, or send me a letter using Surface Mail, please let us hear from you this week. JJ, thanks so much for reminding us about the 125th birthday. Aww. It's so wonderful to celebrate her life and all that she's done to know God and to make him known. Absolutely. And thank you for joining us as well. We hope that you'll be back with us again next week. JJ and I will be right here as we talk about more lessons we can learn from the life of Corey Ten Boom. Lessons for today. For all of us at the Viewpoint Ministry team, this is Jim Lyon. Stay tuned.